Yeah. I'd love to hear those kids sing. I'd like to hear you sing too. Let the Lord have His way in your life every day. If you have a copy of God's holy word, His words of life, wonderful words of life, find the Gospel of John, chapter 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 17. Ethan, you got my first slide there for me, buddy? There is great joy in the presence of the Lord while doing the Father's work. There is great joy in the presence of the Lord while doing the Father's work. Last week, very quickly, we took a, a very quick peek at the Lord Jesus when he was 12 years old. Back when he was 12, uh, mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, had taken him to Jerusalem for the feast day, and they left him behind, and once they discovered that he was missing, they went back, and they discovered him, they found him in the temple, holding an apologetics class with the Pharisees. At age 12, at age 12, and he said something very remarkable, he said, Wist ye not, don't you understand, can't you see that I must be about my father's business? I must be. Who's, who, I need a 12-year-old boy. Quick. Quickly. Who's 12? I need a 12-year-old boy. Come here, buddy. Come here, Ben. Is that Ben? Did I get it right? Come here, Ben. Quick. 12 years old. He's in the temple. Come here, buddy. Holding an apologetics class. 12. Okay, now, did the Lord Jesus, when he was 12, did he just decide that day that, hey, I'm going to be about my father's business now? I'm 12. Okay? I argue, no, no, no. I argue that he has been practicing from ages 0 to 12. He's been practicing paristemi. Paristemi which means to present, to stand by, to come alongside, okay? Thank you, Ethan. Paristemi is the Greek word, the Greek transliteration for to stand by the presence of someone, to be in the presence of someone, to yield yourself to the presence of someone, to show yourself to the presence of someone. And I argue that the Lord Jesus has been practicing at his play, at his work, in his relationship with Mary and Joseph, he has been practicing presenting himself to the Father and doing the Father's work. So when this time came, he was ready. Right? Thank you, Ben. You can go sit down. Wist ye not that I must be about my Father's work? And oh, by the way, by the way, I think he was enjoying it. I think the Lord Jesus Christ was one of the happiest people that ever walked planet Earth. For this reason, he was about his father's work, doing his father's business, in his presence, enjoying his presence, enjoying the work that the father had for him to do. We know that the Lord Jesus grows up and at about age 30, he begins his public ministry. And oh, what a ministry. He starts out turning water into wine in a marriage. 
at a marriage feast? What are we going to do today, Father? Well, let's just, I'll tell you what, let's go into this town over here and let's heal all of their diseases. Okay, Father, let's do it. You know how much time it would have taken him to heal all the diseases in a single town? And not only that, he's casting out demons. He's delivering the oppressed. He's preaching the kingdom of God. And I believe he's having a wonderful time doing it because he is demonstrating for us, along with all of that, what a human being was intended to be. You know that a human being created in the image of God was created in the image of God for the purpose of being filled with God to do the Father's work. But we lost that, didn't we? And we call that the fall. Adam made a bad decision, made a bad choice. Jesus comes and he demonstrates what God always intended us to be, human beings filled with the glory of God doing the Father's work. I think he had a great time at it. He was demonstrating for us, paristemi, demonstrating submitting himself to the Father, presenting himself to the Father in order to do the Father's work. Look with me at John 17. Wonderful words of life. I call this holy ground indeed. This is the passage we all well know as the, uh, the Lord's High Priestly Prayer. I think it's extremely significant because this is in the Gospel of John. And one of the reasons I love the Gospel of John is that the Gospel of John is an eyewitness account. It is a first-hand eyewitness account of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is, this is the beloved Apostle John. This is the apostle that leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. This is the apostle that stood at the cross and watched Jesus die. This is one of the apostles that ran to the tomb, and he was the first one to look in. Unless Mary beat him to it. <laughs> okay. This is John. This is John that saw the resurrected Lord and he handled him. He said in 1 John, in that epistle, he said, we've seen him, we've seen his manifestation, we've touched him, we've been with him, we have witnessed him. This is an eyewitness account. The Lord Jesus has been at the Last Supper and he's, he has given us the new covenant in his blood and in his body and, and as he makes his way out of that upper room he's teaching. And we see John 13 and John chapter 14 and John chapter 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and 16, and now we're at, at chapter 17. So we're somewhere between the upper room and the garden. That's where we are. And John hears the Lord Jesus pray, and I believe that the Lord Jesus prayed this openly so that the disciples would hear it. So often, Jesus would go off into the mountains by himself and pray and talk to his Father. 
and commune with his Father in, in, in that intimate relationship that he desires all of us to have. He demonstrates that. But here he prays publicly. He wants you and me to hear this prayer. Follow along with me, if you will. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. I want to pause here very quickly because I think this is important. Do you find that odd? I find this a little bit odd. Isn't Jesus God? Jesus is God, right? He's the Son of God. And he's proved that in his ministry, his public ministry. Over and over again, he's proved his deity. But here he prays openly, Father, the hour has come. You, Father, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. I find that interesting that he that the Son of God felt it necessary to pray, Father, glorify me that I might glorify you. And I think part of the answer here is that Jesus was demonstrating humanity. And Jesus knew that in his humanity that he was nothing without the Father. And he says so. He says, I must be about my Father's work because apart from that, I'm, I'm nothing in my humanity. So he says, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. Let's continue to read. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, Jesus, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. Do you know the Father? Do you know Jesus Christ? That's eternal life, a knowing. I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me in thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Speaking of his deity now. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. The words Jesus speaks are from the Father. The words that thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. And it's at this point I have to step back and say, wow! That they may be one, that they, you and me, may be one as we are. 
Can you get any more one than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? That's a lot of oneness. That's a lot of one. And here Jesus, our great high priest, says that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So this oneness produces a supernatural joy that cannot be mistaken cannot be dismissed, cannot be denied. It's a joy that is produced that comes from being one with Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through the truth. Watch this now. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? That's us. Neither pray I for these alone, the disciples, but for them also which believe on me through their word. What are you holding in your hand? Their word. How did you believe in Jesus? You heard the word, their word. Verse 21, that they, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So this oneness that we have in God, that Jesus has in the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son of God and God the Father, they are one. He makes us one in Him. Why? So that the world may know that Thou hast sent me. And the glory which Thou gavest me I have given them, and they that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and Thou in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them and Thou hast loved me. God's grand design, His grand purpose. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world hath known, the world hath not known thee, but I have. I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me.
Read verse 26 with me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast When Jesus had spoken his words, he went forth. He went forth with his disciples over the book Kedron, where there was a garden. Pray with me, will you, Father? Thank you. I need your help. bit overwhelmed with your love for me, your love for us. That you, the Son of God, would provide a way for us to be one with you. I sure can't wrap my pea brain around that. The mighty love of God is difficult to understand. But it's but we must understand it. Because it's what you have provided for us. Thank you. Thank you for that upper room. Thank you for the garden. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the tomb. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your ascension. Thank you for being our great high priest. We love you so much. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So I pray that uh, I pray that you'd help me here. The kiddos don't want to sit here and watch me weep. So I pray that you'd steal my emotions and fill my head with your thoughts. That you'd communicate to the folks here this morning exactly what you want to communicate to them. How much you love them and your provision for them. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.